Now, I actually forgot to ask this question, right? We talk about cryptocurrencies yep. in general, but specifically, what is Bitcoin? Okay. The simplest definition I can give is that Bitcoin is a record of transactions mm-hmm. on a ledger. Mm, okay. Right? Let me try to break that down in the simplest <laughs> way possible. <laughs> it's a bit difficult sometimes to wrap our heads around it because it's so different a concept from what we know. Mm. Right. So imagine like, for example, um, everybody around the table is taking notes um, of of. Like, uh, let's say we play a game of Monopoly. Mm. That's usually the example that's used, okay? Usually, there's a banker in Monopoly, yeah. right? And the banker keeps track of everything. Yep. The other players just play and all that, but they may not keep track so closely. The banker keeps track of everything. That's a centralized system that yeah. they're used to. The bank keeps track of the flow of money. Let's say we decentralize it to okay. come to Bitcoin, right? You have a notepad where you're keeping track of the transactions. Yeah. You have a notepad and I have a notepad and we're all keeping track of the transactions. Bitcoin represents that that sort of like that, that record that we are writing that, okay, you have 100, let's say you start with 100 Bitcoin and then you give me 10 Bitcoin and then you give him 20 Bitcoin and I buy more from you. And so I have a ledger saying that if I total up this 100 minus 10 minus 20, that's how much Bitcoin I have. Yes. Right, that's kind of what Bitcoin is. It's mm-hmm. a record of transactions. Yeah. Right, it's a, but even I sometimes when I explain to people, I'm like, wow, it's tough to wrap your head around it. Yeah, right? yeah, and so yeah. I show, so ask them, you know, I ask my students usually like, Anybody know what a Bitcoin looks like? Mm. They were like, uh, Bitcoin, uh, everybody talk about it. Nobody knows what it looks like, you yeah. know? They don't know. They think it's like a gold coin. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. It's just tap like that. I show them a picture and it's just numbers, 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 lines, lines, lines. It's codes. And they're like, yeah, this is Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, this is Bitcoin. Yeah. It is a flow of transactions from one account to another account. And that record is, is what makes it special is that that record cannot be manipulated, cannot be hacked, cannot be changed. It's immutable. Yeah. It's only one way. It cannot go back in reverse. And that is what Bitcoin represents, I think. This immutable record of transactions, mm. right? And uh, that's how I, I, that's the best way I think I, of explaining Bitcoin. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firl.co slash free. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Fire Podcast, best place for long-term stock investors or stock investors in general. Today we have a very interesting, special, awesome, um, unique yep. guest, a very non-fungible guest. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I love that term, man. Yeah. Non-fungible, non-fungible guest. Right? Oh, I, love it, I don't bit. know what that means, this non-fungible guest will explain what non-fungible <laughs> will be at the end, nearer to the end of the podcast. So anyway, today we have it with us a lecturer of psychology, right? Yeah. At a very uh, famous university in Malaysia. Uh, 99% completed his master's, right? <laughs> I asked him before the chat, right? Will he, will he jinx, will I jinx it if I say 90%? No, 99% is pretty good odds. Yeah. Uh, also an MC. Yep. He has also appeared on uh, ads for most, uh, the one that I remember the most, uh, Shopee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's often confused uh, with a broccoli. <laughs> yes indeed and 
of uh, in recent times, he is a crypto uh, enthusiast. Yeah, that's right. right. And yeah. he does a lot to educate uh, people with base or zero base knowledge uh, on cryptocurrencies. Welcome to the podcast, Ross Stevenson. Hi, 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 John. Nice to be here, John and MJ. I mm-hmm. really appreciate you guys inviting me. And yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah sharing more about crypto and anything you want to know yeah. about my life, investment. Sure. You know, it's going to be an exciting time, I think. Yeah. So, Sh- Shall we dissect the hair first? Uh, yeah, no, no, for no, sure. No. <laughs> this one is non-fungible, non-fungible, John. So this yeah. one cannot touch one. So <laughs> so, so, so I, 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 I mean, speaking of the hair, right, yeah. I know recently yeah. you applied for... A Poker records. That's you want to right. talk about it? Okay, so sure. guys, just context, right? He Ross recently applied to be on the Malaysian Book of That's Guinness right. Book of Records. No, no. Right? So it's called. So there's the Guinness Book of Records is the world one. Right, right. So right. It's around the world, anybody can can go for that one. I'm applying for the local one, the Malaysia Book of Records. Okay. Um. So the Malaysia Book of Records is just for Malaysian Malaysian right. achievements. More, and stuff more halal like that. Uh, More halal. <laughs> no definitely, Guinness, definitely. It's a bit uh, lame Less yeah. competition lah. Less competition. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. I could have applied for the Guinness World one, but there's already a Guinness World Record winner. Yeah. Her hair is about 150 cm around there in 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 um, circumference. Right. Okay. They measure by circumference. I think my hair used to be like that before I shaved bald. So about I two, see. two and a half years ago, I shaved bald in 2018. And uh, it, now I look back, I was like, oh man, if I kept it until now, uh, maybe I can fight Guinness World Record. Yeah, yeah. Man. But never mind. La. So I've been growing my hair out. It's about 109, 110 cm in circumference, okay. yep. which is pretty big. It's pretty big. So I submitted an application okay. and they accepted it. Wow. They were, yeah, wow. I don't think there's anybody who else submitted. Maybe Dato Deva Armugam lah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so I submitted this. Uh, uh, they just said, uh, you know, grow it a little bit bigger. Okay. So it's a bit more impressive. Yeah. And then they will be able to um, uh, do the auditing for me. And I'm even going to have it as a fundraiser. So people want to donate. And then um, it, I really want to say thank you to the Malaysian Book of Records people. They were willing to reduce the fees oh. by 50%. Wow. And the remainder, whatever extra is fundraise, will go to charity. Wow. Solid. So yeah, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. I get something out of it. Charity, charitable cause gets something out of it. Malaysia Book of Records gets, and everybody gets to enjoy. I think yeah. the fun. Yeah. yeah. So, so what? Uh, what do you need? Your chances? Good chance? Oh, I think pretty good. I think pretty good chances. I think pretty good. I I haven't really seen many big afros in Malaysia. Yeah. I've seen people with afro hair. Uh, I've seen a few big ones, but yeah. I think I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty big. I look at the camera, so like wow. Because I don't see my own hair, you know. Correct. Other yeah. people tell me, "Wow, your hair is big." big. Then I look in the mirror. I was like, "Oh yeah, it is big." <laughs> and, yeah, you know, is. you know, my father is bald at home, so you know, when I compare, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, actually, my hair is big." <laughs> the yeah, contrast you know, is the huge. contrast is very big, depending on who's standing next to me. Yeah. Wait, when do you, when do you when do you decide in your life where like you know what I think I can have an afro? Oh, so that's a fun story. Yeah. So most of my life, I didn't actually know mm. I can grow an afro. Okay. Yeah, because your dad's bald, right? Exactly. Like, eh, I've okay. known him from a young child. I know him either with very little hair or completely bald. So yeah. I never knew he had an afro mm. until I turned 17. Okay. So for 17 years of my life, I had short hair. I never even knew I could grow an afro. I see. I thought just normal short hair like for a normal Indian boy. And then when I was 17 in college, for some reason, I stumbled across some old family pictures okay. at home. And I found a picture of my dad when he was in university and he had this beautiful afro. Oh. I don't know if I can show you on, 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 on my phone or whatever. Then maybe I can give you a picture of it okay. sure. and then you can show it to, to your audience as well. Like that. It's, sure. it's quite incredible. And he had like those days like playing the guitar. La. He oh. was in a band. La. So he had like he had the, the afro for the right time in I history. See. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. For the right yeah. time in history. And then when I saw that picture see if I can get on my phone. I saw the picture. I was like, wow, my father looked really cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, actually, that makes sense because like um, during my yeah. dad's era. Ah. That's ah. Can you see? Wow. That is my dad when he was at university. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, show, show it to camera. this camera. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. See if ah. I can. Yeah, there, uh, yeah ah. no, it's focused already. You can see it, right? Yeah, yeah you can see it. Focus. So that's my dad. And then next to it is uh, 
This is my brother. Wow. <laughs> wow. Let's see if I can uh, get no. the screen brightness down a bit. Then yeah. maybe you can see. Mm. Okay, that's my brother. Okay. Yeah. That's my brother over there. So he only did it ever once. He combed out his hair like that. And then finally, uh, okay, now it's more in focus, right? Yeah, because it's closer oh. to your face. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So yeah. that's my dad. Okay. Right? My brother. Actually, what if he points it in the that camera? Instead, will it work? Uh, this one, oh, uh, yeah, because this one, one has up. an auto zoom. Can see, can okay, see, can okay. See. Yeah. yeah, I can see. Okay, that's my dad with the guitar and everything. He's in you. He studied in University of Malaya, just like me as well. Okay, and then uh, my brother, and then finally, tra 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 me. Wow, <laughs> this is like like levels, man. Yeah, so it's exactly. Small, medium, it's a uh, whole family, large, man. man. Hey, yeah. just just to give context, ah, uh, hundred and two cm, uh, that's actually the height of probably a four or five year old kid. Oh, really? Uh? Because my yeah 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 my yeah. My, my kids are uh, <laughs> during the age what really. You oh, think oh, circum- hundred mass circumference, circumference, circumference. That's why I was just thinking about it when they were saying yeah. hundred and two. My gosh! And, ah, yeah. and you know why it, it brought a lot? Because when you bring your kids to you know theme parks, ah, yes, they have to, to measure, measure the height. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so most of the rides is hundred and ten cm. Oh. So like once you go to hundred fifty, your hair can take your hair circumference can take a ride. Wow. My hair can detach itself and go on the right by itself. Oh man! Right. Okay. 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 Uh, look, I think I, I saw me more question about uh your hair, but I don't think this is the. <laughs> <laughs> this is the we can have another session. Another Definitely. Session. Yeah. Hair care. So I think what what interests me is how is it that a a, a person with, a, with an afro, in, uh, you know, uh, lecturer at psychology actually got into investing. Ah, I okay. think that's something I really want to know. Yeah. yeah, so how it happened was uh, when I was growing up, mm. my father was very much, um, he always allowed me to go for any of these like holiday workshops for kids and uh, all that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, investment, la, leadership la, and all that. And I had this uh, very nice guy named Mr. Das. He would do all these holiday workshops for kids. I see. I learned magic from him. I learned leadership ah. skills from him. I learned like, you know. Is he, um, is he still doing it? He, I, of course, during MCO can't really do the same business anymore. Right, right. Uh, but hopefully once everything opens, he'll come and resume the business again okay. or move online. Yeah. And then he had classes on financial investment. Wow. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Financial. He called it financial intelligence. This was years ago. Okay. And that introduced me to this concept of stocks and, and investment. I was young, but probably a young teenager at the time. Okay. Yeah, and my father was very encouraging. He was like, yeah, yeah, go and go and learn and learn and all that. And my father would then help me buy. So like I would save up money from Ang Pao money and all that. Because okay. I was just a kid. I didn't really spend much. Okay. And when I had like a thousand ringgit, he would go and buy Genting stock for me. Oh. That was the first stock I ever owned. Well, un- owned under my father's name. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So I was so excited. I was like, wow, this cool thing. And you know, I you know most of my friends at the time, everybody's just playing computer games and stuff, including myself. But I was like, okay, it's cool. Like, you know, there's this world of investment. Mm. I'm still new to it. I don't really understand it. And then my father bought Genting and I'm like, oh, I, the only thing I know about Genting is that they got a team park. Right, oh, as a child, okay. that's okay. all I was thinking. Like, what is a stock? I don't really know, but I know I go there. So I was like, okay, I feel special, yeah. right? And then uh, my father sold the Gunting stock. I wish he had kept it until now. Then I could have <laughs> probably <laughs> retired. <laughs> but uh, but but I mean, it was interesting experience. So that right in my teenage years, mm-hmm. I was exposed to it thanks to my dad, mm. right? And then I went for these classes. And then from there, I started learning on my own, uh, discovering more. I went for more classes and educated myself um, about stocks investment and. Um, and then I, I like to experiment. So mm-hmm. I like to try different things. Mm. You know, uh, uh, oftentimes what I notice is that um, once you start typing words like investment and stocks and everything, yeah. okay. all the ads start popping up. That's right. Hey, ah, come yes. for this free talk. La. Hey, I'll teach you how to be a millionaire. La, blah, blah, blah. And so I would go for the free sessions. I would I'd, always go for a free right, session. Right. Yep. And there are so many. 
And uh, what I would do is I would just sit down and listen openly. Yeah. And I noticed one bias in most of these sessions. Which right. was? If the person was like a, from a unit trust background, they'll say unit trust is the best. Mm. You need to trust us and you need to follow <laughs> our our own uh, product. It's mm. a good if, pun, man. Exactly. Unit trust is And then, uh, <laughs> and then if it's insurance agents, hey, no, Ross, you know, this insurance, investment link insurance, and then they are the best. And then if it's someone from the stocks, they say, hey, stocks is the best. And then property, property is the best. So everybody has their own niche. Yep. And while I appreciate that, you know, they all share their own niche, I, I, I was, I never really liked the fact that everybody only wants to sell their product. Understand. It's their product. I rather have an understanding of investment, mm. right? And, and show me a few different products and then let me decide what's work, what works best for right. me. So yep. I would listen to different sectors and then I would go and invest myself. So I, I like unit trust, I would go and find one unit trust person then go and invest and see the returns over three years. Okay. And then I'll go to fixed deposit and just put in money for one year and then see what the returns are. Mm. Then gold, I'll just buy gold and then just see what the returns are. And so that's how my journey sort of like started from okay. young. And okay. then just me having that natural curiosity to understand right. mm-hmm. and to learn and then just go and experiment. All right. Yeah. So if you, you said, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So if you, if you contrast yourself to your peers, right? Mm. Uh, what did they, when you tried to discuss this with them at yeah. your age, right? Yeah. What was the resistance that you faced? Because obviously you're very lucky. Your parents mm. actually allowed you to, yeah. to, to have this kind of... Uh, what we call sandbox. Yeah. But what about your peers? What What do you think was blocking them mentally? Was it the, the environment they had? Was it because of, I don't think lack of capital because you also mm. had pretty common. You start small, right? You, you start, start small. small. Yeah, I also started small. I think the, the biggest challenge was that they just don't have exposure. Okay. Young people are not exposed to investing and finance. Right. Not mm. in my opinion. Mm. Many of my peers don't have that many savings. You know, I talk to them about EPF. They're like, ah, I don't really put money in EPF. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, <laughs> when you see the way that they spend uh-huh. and the way that they save, there's not, nothing about saving. Everything's, everything's about spending. Okay. Our economy is all spend, spend, spend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's about saving and investment and all that. And I think um, I was thankful, like you said, my parents, you know, exposed me from a young age. Okay. So I had more time to learn. Understand. And then my peers, I feel like, you know, there are, of course, now that I'm in investment and I'm in the r- different circles of people. That's right? right. And many of us talk about the same thing. But there are still many other, I think, you know, that don't know. Uh, my brother, in fact, uh, Richard, he he works in a company that does like financial uh, uh, training okay. for B40 schools. Oh, you know, these really poor schools and then they want to help them, build them up, teach them, even same thing, how to manabong, you know, how to save and all ah. that. They, they really don't know, you know. Okay. And so that, that awareness, I think, is lacking okay. in a lot of society. And because the way our economy works is like just buy, buy, buy. Understand. Right. Nobody says save, save, save. Yeah. Well, some people do in our small little niche. La. Yes. Yeah. It's bubble. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bubble of investment. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. You all know Suin, la, Ziet, la, me, la, Fer, la. You know, we all know each other. But yeah. now I'm hoping that slowly as time goes by, more and more people will come. The, bu- the bubble gets bigger. The bubble gets bigger. Yeah. But you know, uh, things like crypto, for example, hot topic, right? Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. And then, you know, you use that as a platform to get into people's minds because, you know, uh, it's in the newspapers, la. People yeah. are talking about it. It's hot topic, man. Yes. Ah, then now I think people are more opening up. Oh, what is investment? Ross, can you teach me? And mm. I'm getting a lot of these DMs. And yeah, hey, Ross, yeah. can you show me what to do? Can you teach me what to do? Yeah. Which I never got previously. I see. Yeah. Now people are seeking me out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I think there's so much more to crypto than just the price, la. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. So much more. Okay. Yeah. We we'll talk about that later on. So you 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 said that. Okay, technically your first investment was Gunting, but yep. technically also not really because it was your dad, my dad who bought, who bought it for, it for you. Me with my so money, which is yeah. the first investment that you made uh, on and anything 
Yeah, oh. uh, that is your decision. Like, it's 100% Ross yeah. decided to buy this. Yeah, yeah. You were the trigger puller. Oh, definitely. This was an investment called G-Tronic. Wow. G-Tronic. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Possibly one of the best investments I ever made. <laughs> so I went for a, 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 a free half-day workshop by a company called Equity Striker. Yes. And okay. I went both of you there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I went and I first understood what fundamental uh, analysis was about, right, how yes. to do an investment all that. And then during the talk, they, you know, people ask, you know, what kind of stocks are you know good to look at? right now yeah. and then the, the trainer that day I can't remember who it was and then they mentioned this company called G-Tronic I never right. heard of them okay. don't know what they do something to do with electronic tech, tech, tech stuff and all that yeah. so I was like okay la, let me just uh, look at it and then uh, I just try la. Yeah. and then just I looked at it a little bit briefly and all that look at the charts and everything wow seems like a good company good fundamentals mm-hmm. as they say yeah. very profitable and stuff so I just put in some money I can't remember how much just uh, put in uh, maybe 1-2k okay and then it was just kept going up, up, up. Then I bought some more DCA, yeah. DCA. Yeah. And then just up, up, up. Some more. I was like, okay, I bought some more. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, I, I bought that. And then I also really like Nestle as well. Mm. Right. People say it's like the gold standard of what is a good stock in fundamental terms. Yeah. So I bought that as well. And those, I think, were my first two stocks that I bought. And wow. it's positive. And you, you, if, you, if you've held since then, you should exactly. be Exactly. I never good. lost any money on those two stocks. Right. So yeah. so uh, I, I just want to, you know, for the for our listeners, right? Yeah. I just want to get a sense of the returns. Are you still holding uh, these companies? Am I still holding? Nestle, yes. Nestle, I don't plan oh to sell until okay, I die. So when, okay, <laughs> okay, so when... when uh, he, 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 uh, he attended uh, VIP yes. Yes. when I was teaching. Yes. So yes, yes, that was 2018. Yeah. Uh, it should be about 80 to... So you have doubled. Yeah, double, you, almost double. Doubled. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah. since... Uh, sorry, I don't know why the internet is taking so long. Yeah. But, but I did uh, take some profit on G-Tronic. So I did sell sure, sure. to okay. invest elsewhere. Yeah. So that one I don't hold as much. I think I still hold a little bit. Yeah, But okay. Nestle, I, I plan to hold until I die. Yeah. So <laughs> you would this, be... This phone, yes. The color sensor on it, yeah, uh, very likely was manufactured by Gtronic. Oh, was it? You think so? So For this, iPhone, yeah. So like this oh. color sensors here. Yes, it was about sensors. I think yeah, that's why I like Gtronic yeah. because you know everybody needs a sensor. Yeah. So you you yeah. probably be up about forty percent, I think, mm. and then you add in the dividends, right? So it's probably a bit higher. So yeah. I would guesstimate like you're probably at about fifty percent, sixty percent. So that that's pretty good. Actually, one of the problems I have with my investing is that I don't really keep a good track of the numbers. Ah. So like, I kind of vaguely know what I bought and I vaguely know how much I bought and I vaguely know that I'm making <laughs> right. profit. But I don't really keep track. So there's one thing I really need and good that you mentioned it because I keep reminding myself, keep a spreadsheet, keep track so that oh, I know, you know. I, I, I can give you uh, uh, tips to a free tool okay. that you yeah. don't even need to manually key in actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, so okay, we can. Okay. We, yeah, it's gonna yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna diverge. So uh, that'll be good. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I, I really don't keep track. People always ask me. Oh, so how much have you made? I'm like, um, I know it's positive lah. Yeah. That one I know is good enough to make me happy. Ross, I think your benefit would be because it is a close. You didn't you withdraw some. Yeah. But you didn't top up that man that much, right? Mm, no. Okay. So it, in a way, it's it's a semi close fund. So it's mm. easier to to uh, calculate. Calculate. Yeah. That's yeah, why. Yeah. 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 I'm looking at it. So based on when you bought it, you. Probably also uh, be about 50, 60 percent up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Around excellent, the time. Like, excellent. Yeah. 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 So now those are uh, those are your first. Mm. You can say first two, right? First two, first yeah, two first right? Two. Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Great start. Mm. Now then, of course, it's been uh, three years, right? Since yep. then, right? Yep. So yep. you basically you've been investing for three, three plus years. Um, what would you say is your best? investment and then your worst. You can talk about your worst first or can no problem. Okay, okay. The worst one was um I think it was more about my um my mentality mm-hmm. as an investor that was not mature yet. 
Okay. Right? So the worst investment I made was I had a lot a lump sum of money and I wanted to invest it for uh, you know a long term. Right. And I bought this bought into a company called WeChat. Right? So ah. WeChat in in you know Tencent, and, uh, right? Tencent, Tencent. Tencent, basically Tencent. And it was doing v- it was very, very good. A lot of positive news. People like, wow, WeChat Pay is coming to Malaysia, la, this news, la, that news, la. My friends were talking about it. I thought, oh, it seems like a good investment. And of course, I made the, the fundamental error of listening to other people's mm. voices. And then so I bought. It was supposed to be only 15K. I accidentally bought twice, or my I don't know, my broker, I don't know Margin. what happened. <laughs> <Margin>. <laughs> something la, something happened where it accidentally bought two lots instead of one. Wow. So it went in 30K. I was like, okay, it's a good company. Good yeah. company. Everybody yeah. say good company must be good company, you know. And then, it, then, then China, US trade war. Okay. Price took a plunge, and then there was some ban on China games, mobile games for some time. Uh-huh. And then price took another plunge, and I lost about half of the, my half of my money. So thirty k down to fifteen k. Then I was talking to my father about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, just take out lah. Let me, you know, I recommend maybe you put in warrants lah. Warrants very cheap. <laughs> <very> cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another fundamental error. Sometimes you know you listen to to, to certain people and then oh, I shouldn't say my father. No, my lah, it's true lah. It's true lah. Yeah. He was like he also he still invested loves in you, it. He still loves me. And then he introduced <laughs> me to stocks. Okay, I thank him for that. <laughs> but the warrants, I'll never forget the nightmare that it was. So I took out the fifteen k. Okay, okay lah. Put in warrants. Oh, warrants very cheap. Ah, huh? very cheap. So if it's very cheap and the price moves a bit, uh-huh. you, you make profit, right? Correct because. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I thought, okay, makes sense, makes sense. Put into, uh, uh, should I say the name of the warren? <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no. Maybe I won't say lah. Yeah. Uh, a local, a local company warren, okay. but they've got international presence. Okay. And then for some reason, the price took another plunge. <laughs> I don't know what happened. And so I lost from 15k went down to 4k. Oh. So that was the worst investment decision from 30k to 15k, 15k to 4k. And I looked at it. I was like, oh my goodness me. 90% wealth destruction. Uh. Gone. Like <laughs> like within one one to two years, just wow. gone like that. Just unlucky. Like. I mean, if not for the USA trade war, the, the price would have skyrocketed, yeah. right? It was really doing well. And then so and then of course the problem I had was the wrong mentality. Mm. I went in with the, you know, I started panicking when the price went down. But the proper mentality I think should have been to hold it yeah. for long term. And if I held it until today, I'd be in the positive. If for I sure. held Tencent until today. Yeah. So when I look back, I was like, okay, that's a really good learning lesson for me. And then, so f- that's the worst investment, right? Okay. The worst. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you know, um, I took the remainder 4K. Okay. And then my friend said, hey, Ross, have you heard of Bitcoin? <laughs> and I was like, in 2017, <coughs> I was actually um, um, skeptical of Bitcoin. Okay. I remember a Facebook post that I wrote in 2017. Said, I think Bitcoin is a bubble. Mm. It's just like the tulips, you know, people are buying tulip tulips money, for yeah. selling right. houses to buy tulips. Uh, Bitcoin has no asset behind it. Nothing was bad. I was really against it. I was very skeptical about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and then in 2017, it crashed. I was like, wow, okay, confirm my theories. Lah. Okay. Then two years later, my friend said, hey, Ross, uh, you want to try uh, investing in Bitcoin? Uh, at, at the point with 4K, from 30 to 4K, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> okay, <laughs> la, high risk, high reward. La. Okay, yeah. la, put in all the 4K. <laughs> I bought in Ethereum at the time. Ethereum uh, was Ether. affordable, more affordable than Bitcoin. Yeah. So I bought Ethereum when it was 123 USD. Oh, man. Nice. I sold it when that 4K turned into 25K. Wow. I told myself, I don't want to be greedy. God help me not be greedy. And I was thinking, should I just keep it? Should I keep it? And I was like, you know, I don't be greedy. I sold it for 25K. I told my dad, oh, my dad paid for my car. So okay. I paid him back the car, uh, car loan. Okay. So I live debt free. So from 30K to 4K, worst investment. Okay. 4K to 25K, best investment, paid off all my debt. So I live debt free. And I was like, wow, what a. Like really roller coaster, man. Like, it's uh, yeah, like man. right ah. to the trough, and then now and back then to the boom. Peak. Back yeah. to but the I guess, you know, yeah. and I want to connect this to the next question, mm. which is that. I guess mm. this peak to trough experience, right, yeah. taught you so much about uh, psychology, which is your field. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah. coming from uh, academia, right, how would, 
based on the tools that you've you've learned, right? How will you actually apply it in your own experience or even the experience that you see in others? How would you basically psychoanalyze yourself based on your behavior uh, throughout these three years? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson was um, to not panic <laughs> as I see people do and I myself do. And it's very easy to get emotionally Mm. Um, involved in in particular, uh, you know, when when the market is changing, mm. and I think the biggest lesson was just if I have a strategy, stick to the strategy. Okay. And so when all of this happened, what I did was I came up with a, a spreadsheet of my own, and I'll put okay, this is what the the company profits are. This is da, 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 and I would write it down so that I would stick to that strategy. I see. Right. And as much as I wanted to divert, I'll tell myself no, stick to the strategy, and that helped a lot. I, I see. That helped a lot. I'm not sure what concept in psychology I can apply to that specifically. Uh, but I think uh, definitely in terms of like selling and panic is fear. La. It's mm. just that fear that you're losing, you know, losing money. And uh, that is a very strong fear in human beings. Right? Yes. Pain, yeah, pain yes. and, and fear is very, very strong motivators. And so I, I often just take a step back and I'll just relax and tell myself, you know what? The world will still keep on spinning tomorrow even if I lose money. You know, I will still, be, I will still have a home, a family and all that. So I remind myself of the concrete things in life. As my, as my, one of my friends who's a counsellor calls it uh, grounding. Grounding, keep yourself okay. grounded. Mm. Right? The market can fluctuate. Let it fluctuate. Yeah. Keep yourself grounded on something that's more concrete. Right? And for me, whether it's God, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whatever it is, keep yourself grounded in something okay. that is concrete and that will keep you steady in, ta- in turbulent times. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing you also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses slash SIB. Can, what other things besides like, uh, uh, what, what do you think mm. can help in helping you get that kind of confidence? Was it because of your reading? Was it because of you... Uh, continuously seeking out uh, uh, understanding of whatever you were buying. Was that something that helped? You know, I, I think it's a combination of one, getting educated. So yeah. that's very important. Okay. Education is the best investment you can do on yourself. And okay. my father has always promoted that, uh, encouraged me to get educated. and okay. He always paid for it. So that's good. Yeah. Um, the second one is actually another E, which is evaluation. I, I think see. it's important and people forget this to look back and what your mistakes are okay. and learn from them. Mm. And that's when you improve. Okay. Right? If you just make mistakes but you don't evaluate where, what went right. wrong, mm. you never change. Mm. Right? I look back and I was like, what did I do that was wrong? I was like, okay, I panicked. I should have had a strategy. I didn't hold in the long term like a proper fundamental uh, investor should have. And that's why mm. I learned from that. I was like, okay, now I know better. Mm. Now I'm much more comfortable holding. Mm. Market go up, market go down, my 
friends are all panicking. I was like, it's okay. I'm just I'm here for the five years. Yeah, I'm here for the right. five years, not so, for the three months. So yeah. the time horizon actually helped you as well. Exactly, yeah. learning from those mistakes. I think that's important. The education part and the evaluation. People learn. Right. They go for a lot of courses. They got a lot of head knowledge. But when they don't look at their mistakes and ask them honestly, what could I have done better? Mm. What What did I do wrong? Very good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that Excellent. helps. Mm. So speak, speaking, you mentioned something very interesting, which is uh, you're here for the five years. Yeah. So I assume you're still. Uh, you know, deep into crypto. <laughs> yes. So, yes. I mean, uh, so ever since I had that positive experience with Ethereum, you know, when I sold mm. it and yeah, I got back yeah. more money, I was like, okay, wow, there's, maybe there is some value here. Okay. And so at that time, I still didn't know much about it. Okay. I just put it in because I had nothing to lose with 4K, right? That's right. So then after my friend talked to me about more about it, then I went to do my own research. I went on a deep dive, yeah. right? As deep as I could. And I was like, okay, so this is a very different world than what I thought it was in 2017. I understood it better. I was watching more videos about it. In fact, if you go on YouTube, I realized this. Um, there are a lot of, TED Talks, yeah. very good TED Talks on blockchain and technology and yes. cryptocurrency, which were posted six years ago. Mm. Six years ago, experts in the industry already knew yeah. blockchain is going to be the future. Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. Whoever spotted it, good for them. La. They yeah. would have been part of you know uh, amazing benefits to them. I didn't spot that yet. Now when I look back, I was like, oh, okay. So actually there was an interesting trend that was going on behind the scenes. Now, mm. of course, it's become a buzzword. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Mm. And I'm glad I got into it about uh, somewhere around last year. Mm. Right? All right. And... Um, so I've been in the scene since then and educating myself. Every every day there is something new in crypto. Yeah. At least the stock market doesn't change so much. You know, it's a yeah. bit more stable. <laughs> but every day there's something yeah, new man. for me to learn. And a I also new cannot coin, keep track. a new yeah. protocol. Yeah, there are words that I like jargon that even I am struggling to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so having having done this for almost a year, yeah, right? Yeah. Why do you think people need to care about crypto? Oh, Let's start with that first. Yes. I love that question. Yeah. I talk about it on Thursday nights in my introduction classes. And I think the reason why people need to care is this. Progress is inevitable. Mm. And what I mean by that is that whether you like it or not, things are going to change. Yes. Now, I'll give you a simple example. My... Um, those days, we used big bulky phones, right? Those big ringing phones with yeah. the circle. I bet young people also don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Circle, circle, is it going mad, right? Yeah. You have to turn the circle. My grandmother had a phone like that. She never had a mobile phone. My grandma could never use one. Okay. But when she was in her lifetime, we had mobile phones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when my mother was in the car, one day she told my grandmother, hey, can you pass my mobile phone? I'm going out. Yeah. Then my mother was there bringing up the big phone to her. And I was like, <laughs> and my mother's like, Ross, Ross, go and bring my handphone, go and bring my handphone. Wow. <laughs> you know, so whether my grandmother liked it or not, progress is inevitable. Mm. And if she doesn't learn, to adapt, you know, she would have been left behind. Yeah. Right. And the same thing is to do with cryptocurrency. A good example is money. Money started with barter trade. You know, yes. you got a cow, I got three chicken, I give you three chicken, you give me a cow. Of course. Yeah. What a that, trade. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I really needed the cow and you really need the chicken, then it's yeah, valuable, yeah. right? Yes, so yes. and then it moved from there to maybe stones or whatever precious things. Yep. And then metals, and then you know, you mint a coin, stamp the picture of your king and queen on the coin, and that's valuable. And then finally move to paper and then yep. all bank drafts and checks and all that. Then finally currency. Countries control it, sovereign currency and all that. Then finally, all currencies moved online. Yeah. You've got online bank accounts, ATM, That's everything. Right. I can just tap my phone, tap my card, pay, yeah. pay, pay wave and all that. Yeah. We accept it. But actually, these are revolutionary if you think about it in the yes. timeline of the evolution of money. Correct. So I tell people, okay, now everything has gone online. What do you think is the next step in evolution? Yeah. Evolution hasn't stopped, right? I mean, in terms of money, right? It's yeah. always improving, becoming better, becoming better year after year. What do you think is the next step? Mm. My, my personal opinion, I think blockchain and cryptocurrency is going to be the next step. Right. And we are already in it, mm. right? So if you're in it, you're one of the 1% in the world that's ready for mm. the revolution, right? Yeah. 
Uh, what comes after that, I also don't know. Lah. Maybe some you know, mental yeah. money. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> lah. Who knows what comes next? And so that's the usually the argument I give to people. I think you should care mm. because whether you like it or not, progress is inevitable. Mm. You're going to be part of it or you're going to be left behind. You, yeah. you decide. Yeah. So I yeah. think on the minds of a lot of uh, skeptics, right? Yep. Here's, um, if I was skeptic, I would mm. ask you, right? Several things. Well, because it's digital money on it, it's on the internet. Yep. One, what if it gets hacked? Mm. Mm. And number two, how do I know, let's say, uh, given that there are, I think, almost a thousand over coins now. Or oh, more than 2,000 plus already. 2,000 plus yeah, coins already. Yeah. How do I know which one is the currency, right? Mm. Let's say today, right? I know there's one big dog, which is the US dollar. Yep. Yep. Right? The rest just marches to the beat of the US dollar. Yep. So I'm, I'm clear I can measure things in uh, US dollars, everything is stable, yep. the prices don't fluctuate, it's not like one day suddenly, uh, you know, bit go, goes up 20 times for US dollars. Right. Yep. Yep. So yep. what would you say to those two, um, uh, what do you call it? Arguments. Uh, comebacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the first question was what again? Uh, what if it's hacked? It hack. can be okay. hacked, right? Yeah. Because I'll uh, address that, that question first because I also have experience from friends who have been hacked before. Mm. So let me make a, a, a general statement. If something is available online, mm there is always going to be a possibility that it can get, it can right. get hacked, right? right? If anything, you have an account, a Maybank, whatever your bank account, online account, phone, whatever. If it's attached to the internet, a hacker can access it yep. if they're smart enough to do it, right? So that's one. Um, crypto is that the, 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 the risk of hacking is not unique to cryptocurrency only. It's, right. it's in any online. But of course, because cryptocurrency is purely digital for yeah. the most part, then there's that risk there. So to minimize that risk, people sometimes have cold wallets yes. where they store their cryptocurrency offline. The moment you detach it from Wi-Fi, no, even the best hacker in the world cannot hack it. The yeah. only problem yeah. is that you forget your password and you have 200 million sitting in your <laughs> wallet and you don't know what the password is, which yeah. has happened before. Yeah. Um, the other issue I wanted to mention was, uh, so I had friends, for example, they have their wallets online. Yeah. They click on a phishing link, all right, uh, long, oh wrong man. link. Okay. Their wallet gets drained. I see. And that happens. Not it's not uh, not, not that uncommon, right? It happens to many people. They click on the wrong link. Just the way you get a phishing email, right? Yes. You think it's from your bank. You click on it, then your, all your money is gone. Yeah. So that that risk is always there, and the only way to counter that is to be educated and to be aware about it, and then to be careful yeah. with every link that you click. Especially okay? spam. Right? Especially spam, or just check lah. Do a quick background search. Ask your friends. Hey, is this the correct? one is this yeah. the correct one you know always good to check it's always good to double check because sometimes this can happen right yes. so that's the risk of hacking that i think is is inherent with anything that is online but the blockchain itself cannot be hacked is virtually impenetrable yeah. right because it's been running since 2009 to 2021 and to hack it you would need the amount of computer power to hack it is is beyond human capacity we don't have that capacity even the best supercomputer in the can't world. do it yeah right? and even if they do have that kind of resources right yeah. Is it really worth it? Or not? Correct. It's not worth it because it's virtually impossible yeah. unless you had some alien technology. Yeah. In fact, many people have tried to hack Bitcoin. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to, yeah. right? If I can copy a Bitcoin digitally, I yes. can be rich overnight. Yeah. Nobody till today has succeeded right, to hack the Bitcoin network from 2009 to 2021. Many attacks, many yeah. attempts. Yeah. The only thing that hackers can succeed in doing is hacking an exchange. Correct. Correct. That's Correct. the one that targeted. So exchanges need to be more safe. And that has happened before, right? Yes. Many yes. exchanges, almost all major exchanges have been hacked or, or something has happened in one way or another. Yeah. Those are the ones that are vulnerable, yes. which is why people sometimes prefer the physical wallet. You can detach it yeah. and keep your wallet there. So again, you know, there, there's always ways to minimize risk. I think the risk of hacking and scamming is, is everywhere. It's everywhere. You talk yeah. about Bitcoin, 
Bitcoin or oh, hacker hacker. I'm like, yeah, Macau scam also. They call you on the phone, ask you to pay money to the to the Macama, and people still do it. Correct. And they lose thousands, hundreds like, of thousands, hundreds sometimes. of thousands. Right, exactly. So I mean, it happens in any situation. Mm. Unfortunately, there are greedy people who will take advantage of the uh, people who don't know any better. Yeah. So that's to answer your first question. Right. Uh, the second one on on terms of value, right? Value of the, the store coins value, the store stability. Value. Yeah. yeah, So I think when Bitcoin first came out. Uh, this wasn't so much of a problem because it was not worth fifty thousand, sixty thousand. Right. You know, yes. uh, it was. It started as a few cents, yeah. you know, and then so nobody cared about it. But now that it's worth so much and it's so volatile, yes. people recognize that over the years are like, hmm, this is not very good for trading, right? Yes. It's too volatile, yeah. And that's a, a problem that you know, even in those days, currency between countries used to be volatile as well, and yeah. so that's why they st- standardize certain things. It's like this is valued to this and all that. So in the cryptocurrency world, the solution came in the form of stable coins, yeah. Right, so stablecoin is like USDT. Mm-hmm. It's pegged to the US dollar, mm, right? So one right. US dollar should be equal to one cryptocurrency USDT. And there are f- a variety of a few different stablecoins. USDT is currently the most liquid. In fact, they were actually going through a lawsuit in the in the US, yeah. which they recently settled by paying a fine. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, a lawsuit very easy, just pay the fine. <laughs> and everybody's keep quiet. And all, all, all of us were actually scared because if they lose the lawsuit, yeah. there's a lot of liquidity in the market just gone The re- repercussions are... Because exactly. people, I know, and later on, uh, when you talk about buying cryptos and all that, mm. uh, people use people hop on USDT to get into other cryptocurrencies. Exactly, yes. that's what I do yes. as well, right? So yeah. because USDT, like you said, US dollar is the big dog, right? Yeah. The, everybody looks to the US dollar, right? Even though wh- whether or not you call cash is trash or not, we still use the US dollar yeah. as the common denominator, yes. right? In the same way, USDT has now become like a common denominator. Correct. Of course, some people who don't like, you know, associating with the US dollar, they say Bitcoin should be the common denominator. But that's fine. You can argue about that. But I like the stability that it offers and it's very good for trading, right? So in fact, I I used to work under a friend. He ran a writing company. Like we write scripts for YouTube, YouTubers and stuff like that. I just did one job (coughs) and they paid me in USDT. He said, do you accept payment in crypto? I said, yeah, definitely. Mm. They paid me in USDT. Mm. They wouldn't pay me in Bitcoin because it's too volatile. It's hard to gauge how much to pay you. Especially if there's a time duration. Let's just say when you took on the job and then if they agreed to one Bitcoin, for example, and by the time the job is done, the Bitcoin value went up like 10% or 20%. Exactly. So it doesn't work for certain currencies, (coughs) cryptocurrency, excuse me, Mm -hmm. but uh, stable coins provide what we need in terms of stability. And so... um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that does make uh, a lot of sense. So, uh, okay, there's so many ways I can fork this discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, no, but uh, I, I think the next one is people saying that, okay, fine, like, oh, that's all is great. But the problem is the legality surrounding mm. Bitcoin. And in yeah. fact, uh, it has been used for illegal activities. Yeah, the Silk Road, so tra- for example. Drug trafficking yeah, and all drug that. Trafficking and and all uh, money that, yeah. laundering and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So is that a cause for concern? Is that a good reason not to really buy Bitcoin or to, yeah? yeah. So that's, that's an excellent question. I think you're talking about the ethics, right? The ethics of cryptocurrency ethics, yeah, and what yeah. has happened. I'm like, if you're concerned about the ethics, then you should just give up on the whole financial system <laughs> overnight because I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, Crypto, uh, cryptocurrency, there's nothing unique to cryptocurrency that we haven't already seen in the normal money markets, right? Yeah. Talk about scams, 1MDB, where did the money come from? It was yeah. all Malaysian ringgit, mm-hmm. right? It was all our own money, yeah. right? Yeah. Don't ever talk about cryptocurrency. Most of the scams in the world have been based on our finance, financials, our current financial system. Bitcoin was trying to address some of those issues, yeah. but there are always going to be unscrupulous characters, whether you create a good technology or not. 
there's always going to be someone who wants to abuse it. And that's unfortunate, right? It's right. a good technology. We should be embracing it. Um, unfortunately, there's a stain on the Bitcoin history where, you know, it was used for transactions in the dark web and stuff like that yeah. because right. it keeps you kind of like anonymous. And so that happens. I'm afraid, you know, that we just have to accept that whether we like it or not, there are bad people in this world. Yes. But that right. doesn't mean we need to be bad, right? Yeah. yeah. Where money can just be a tool. How you use it. Yeah. It's a utility. Exactly. But it can be used either way, whether for good or for bad. People there's always arguments of the, the intention of the use of the money. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Currently I look at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency <coughs> as an investment option. Hmm. Does that mean it's a bad thing? No, I look at it as investment. That's how I'm perceiving it to be. Um sure there might be some people who try and do it for money laundering and all that. And you hmm. know, I don't associate myself with that kind of crowd. Hmm. I associate myself with investors and I want to use it, hopefully, you know, to be part of the future of technology and money and stuff like that. So hmm. I think People need to be willing to accept that as well. If you're touching paper currency, guaranteed it's probably gone somewhere that you don't even want to know about. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it happens. Lah. The world is not uh, as ideal a place as we, we would like it to be. Mm. But, you know, we accept that these are the risks that are involved. I don't think it's a cause for concern because I think you, because Bitcoin is controlled by you, right? If you yeah. buy it, yeah. you can own it. Yeah. You have a piece of it. You decide what you want to do with it. Mm. In fact, if you do bad things with it, it's it, it reflects more on the user. Yes. Like you said. Yes. It, it's more about who you are that you should be concerned about. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the the future value of Bitcoin <laughs> is for a lot of people who are on the Bitcoin side saying that it's because it's going to be a the new form of currency, the mm. new US dollar, right? Mm, mm, mm. And one thing I've been hearing is that uh, that's not going to happen because Bitcoin can only be mainstream, like mainstream, but and by that I mean sixty percent, let's say, of all uh, monetary transactions, which is exactly what the US dollar is today. Yeah, yeah. Um, or let alone even to reach the status of, let's say, the Japanese yen, mm, which mm. is sub ten percent, right, of yep. uh, uh, transactions. In order for that to happen, governments will need to accept it, and yep. and as every crypto uh, enthusiast I've ever come across will say that now it. Bitcoin is designed to be hated by governments. Yeah. Yeah. It's designed to be hated by central banks because they cannot print Bitcoin. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So they cannot they say, control it. Exactly. Right? Mean, yeah. So they say that if governments don't accept it, if governments say no, we're not going to accept Bitcoin. Like I think recently there was a ban in uh, India ah, that they got so relifted, I think. Yes, like that. they kind of lifted yeah. it because they realized, you know what? We can't actually ban yeah. a decentralized but, currency. But, but my, my question is, let's say all the central bankers yeah. come yeah. to the, come to the world and they yeah. say, no, we're not going to let this happen. Yeah and no country's going to use it. Wouldn't that be a damper on the price of Bitcoin? So that's an excellent point you brought up. And uh, I'll try and link it to the previous thing I mentioned. So it, it, throughout Bitcoin's history, when it was used on its own without any public attention was when it was unfortunately used in the dark web. Right? Yeah. There was a whole financial system in the dark web that was based on Bitcoin. You paid in Bitcoin, whatever. That actually, although it's a stain, um, it, it has evidence to show that, wait a minute, even without the US dollar, even without the central banks, a financial system evolved on its own around Bitcoin. Mm. And it, it's proof of concept. Yes. It shows that it can actually work without any central centralization. Yeah. Of course, now in mainstream, we want to use it properly and all that. Uh, we have to have, we, I think people need to be willing to accept a certain amount of centralization. Mm. The fact that you use an exchange is yes. a form of centralization, yeah. yes. right? Um, central banks, in, in, in fact, in, so talking about the Indian Indian uh, government example, we were reading the news. I had friends from India who were asking me, hey Ross, can I buy Bitcoin? I told them, you better be careful because your government wants to ban it. Yeah. Right. And then they seem to have do, done a U-turn. They were like, "Oh, wait a minute, you want to ban it?" And I was looking at other crypto analysts online. They were mm -hmm. like, "They can try to ban it, 
people will just go through other means, right? Use a VPN, use something. You know, people are creative. When it comes to money, trust me, people are very creative. Yeah. So it's it's difficult to ban. That's mm. one, right? Mm. Of course, you can try and make it illegal if you want to, but mm. it's, it's challenging. So I think the, the government also realised the immense logistical nightmare it would be to try and ban something that's decentralized and digital. Yeah. So they kind of made a bit of a U-turn. France, in fact, if I remember reading an article one or two days ago, France is trying to propose a legislation to allow their central bank to purchase Bitcoin. Ah, right. If, I rem- if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I briefly read through it. Mm. So I think whether, uh, uh, whether we like it or not, you know, central banks are taking interest. They're already looking at it. Yeah. I think that what they're doing is that they're figuring out how, how to, to work with it work with it. It's yeah. something new that they're not familiar with. They cannot control it. Yes. And they've been controlling money for the past 700 years. Nobody has challenged them. Yes. Right? More than that, maybe. So now they have something they cannot control. The people can control. It's yes. like, oh no, how do I centralize this now? Yeah. Right? So they're probably going to try, even uh, uh, even Bank Negara Malaysia. You know, I read there, they put cryptocurrency under the anti-money laundering report. Yes. <laughs> right? It's under anti-money laundering and anti-terrorism. They put cryptocurrency there. I was like, why would you put it there? You know, and then they said, uh, you know, very clearly, cryptocurrency is not legal tender in Malaysia. Mm. Right. However, they don't say it's illegal. Yes. They say it's not legal Standard. tender and they say uh, uh, people should take their own due diligence and assessment of risk. Yes. So they just wipe their hands clean. It's like, you do it yourself. Lah. And, and this interesting is because you see, the way that it is classified right now yeah. is for the utility of it, which is mm. to launder money. But yeah. they never come from a point of the better utility of it. Correct. And, and, to your point about uh, 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 central banks not having control about, you think about the shadow banking system. Mm. I'm pretty sure you guys heard of the shadow banking system. Yeah. I'm and not so familiar with shadow banking. What I mean, is that? Uh, okay, uh, it's maybe topic for another another podcast, but you think of it like, you know, money chatties. Okay. Oh, yes, your, yes, your money yes, exchanges, yes, yes. right? Yeah, Can yeah. you imagine all these money chatties, right? Yeah. Do you think the central bank really has a track record of all the monies no. being exchanged around mm. the world? Yeah, probably something. more money than the central bank. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I mean, shadow banking is 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 like if I lend you money, let's say it's yeah. through WhatsApp, yeah, I need yeah, ten thousand yeah. ringgit. That's yeah. shadow banking. Yeah, that's exactly. shadow banking outside the exactly. system. You're right. And in China, it's so big. Mm. It's yeah. really, really big. And, and it's big in China because the and this is what Jack Ma got in trouble Correct. with, mm. right? Because yeah. uh, in in China, is is weird, right? Because they're so risk averse. Only people who don't need loans get loans. Yeah. Mm. Right, I and see. Yeah, because it's like you're if you're start if you're entrepreneur struggling, which is probably you you probably need an additional six months of runway. So maybe you take a loan. Yeah. Uh, no, that's high risk. Yeah. So they 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 go and be, give all these big banks with big businesses. <laughs> yeah. Who don't, don't need the money? Don't need the loan. Yeah. 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 So okay. that's 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 why there's the alternative system of shadow banking. Correct. Yes. Correct. Right. So they will they will like peer to peer and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um. Now, I actually forgot to ask this question, right? We talk about cryptocurrencies yep. in general, but specifically, what is Bitcoin? Okay. The simplest definition I can give is that Bitcoin is a record of transactions mm-hmm. on a ledger. Mm. Okay. Right? Let me try to break that down in the simplest <laughs> way possible. <laughs> it's a bit difficult sometimes to wrap our heads around it because it's so different a concept from what we know. Mm. Right. So, imagine like, for example... Um, everybody around the table is taking notes um, of, of 
like uh, let's say we play a game of Monopoly. Mm. That's usually the example that's used. Okay, usually there's a banker in Monopoly, yeah. right? And the banker keeps track of everything. Yeah. The other players just play and all that, but they may not keep track so closely. The banker keeps track of everything. That's a centralized system that yeah. they're used to. The bank keeps track of the flow of money. Let's say we decentralize it. To okay. Come to Bitcoin, right? You have a notepad where you're keeping track of the transactions. Yeah. You have a notepad, and I have a notepad, and we're all keeping track of the transactions. Bitcoin represents that that sort of like that that record that we are writing that, okay, you have 100, let's say you start with 100 Bitcoin and then you give me 10 Bitcoin and then you give him 20 Bitcoin and I buy more from you. And so I have a ledger saying that if I total up this 100 minus 10 minus 20, that's how much Bitcoin I have. Yes. Right, that's kind of what Bitcoin is. It's mm-hmm. a record of transactions. Yeah. Right, it's a, but even I sometimes when I explain to people, I'm like, wow, it's tough to wrap your head around it. Yeah, right? yeah, and so yeah. I show, so ask them, you know, I ask my students usually like, Anybody know what a Bitcoin looks like? Mm. They were like, uh, Bitcoin, uh, everybody talk about it. Nobody knows what it looks like, you yeah. know? They don't know. They think it's like a gold coin. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. It's just tap like that. I show them a picture and it's just numbers, 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 lines, lines, lines. It's codes. And they're like, yeah, this is Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, this is Bitcoin. Yeah. It is a flow of transactions from one account to another account. Mm. And that record, is, is what makes it special is that that record cannot be manipulated, cannot be hacked, cannot be changed, is immutable, yeah. is only one way. It cannot go back in reverse. And that is what Bitcoin represents, I think. This immutable record of transactions, mm. right? And uh, that's how I, I, that's the best way I think I, of explaining Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. And, and I hear that one of the big reasons that Bitcoin is valuable mm. is because unlike uh, dollars or fiat, yeah. it is non-inflationary. In fact, it is, ah, they call it deflationary. Deflationary, that's right. So the reason fiat uh, is inflationary, why your your ringgit or your dollars yep. goes, grow smaller as time passes is because yep. the central government actually prints more of it. Correct. So if you've got, if it prints at a faster rate than uh, the number of, let's say, apples produced, then the apples will go up in price, right? Because there's now more money for the same amount of apples. Exactly. Yeah. Supply, demand. I mean, right. the basic economic concept. In fact, I did not know about the word deflationary until I entered the cryptocurrency world. Mm. It was like deflationary. I was like, what is deflation? Like, <laughs> like air coming out of a balloon, is it? I, I only heard of inflation. Mm. And so when I understood deflationary as basically when you put a cap on the supply of something, yes. right. it becomes automatically deflationary as long as demand is increasing, you know, incrementally. So a good example that I give people, you know, I always challenge my students like, what is valuable to you. Mm. It's like, oh, it must have low supply, high value. It must be something, you know, that is precious. It must be something that is, you know, uh, good quality and stuff like that. I was like, okay. Do you remember a few years ago, uh, McDonald's released the Minions toy? Oh, oh Minions yeah, toy. Yeah, and yes, I used yes. that example as a case study. I was like, people queued up for four hours wow. to get a piece I, of I didn't plastic. know four hours. Eight. Yeah. Really? Because do you remember the... Uh, so this is our era. Right? Okay. You remember the Snoopies? Snoopies, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the I one, vaguely remember. All the countries, the Russia... Yes, every country you collect, yeah, right? Snoopy. Yeah, I think that, that exactly. will count, right? Okay. So, I mean, it's a piece of plastic. It has... What what value and utility does it have? Basically nothing. People were selling it online on, on eBay and stuff like that for hundreds of dollars. Yes. Right? In Singapore, Malaysia, all the, where people went crazy, they were ripping the shutters of the McDonald's <laughs> to go in, right? There are videos <laughs> online. They ripped the shutters, they broke the door. And I'm like... But it's a small piece of plastic. What yeah. what utility does it have? People just flip and sell that, or they get the pride of saying on social media, "I got one," right? So, and then you know that's uh you know, I think Bitcoin in that sense initially was hyped up sort of like that. But mm. now I think people, as they understand the utility and the technology behind it, understand that there's a capped market supply. That's right. We do not have any other currency equivalent in the world that has a capped supply mm. because you know printers can keep on printing. Yes. But algorithms do not. 
you know, cannot print more, mm. right? There's a cap on Bitcoin, which is 21 million, approximately yeah. 21 million, uh, which should be reached in the year 2104. Yes. So we'll all <laughs> so maybe be dead by then. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah. based on that, so you said 21 million. Yeah. And supposedly that is the computer science behind uh, the limitation. Yeah. The, the computer science actually limits. Yes. Yeah. It's like a, it's an algorithm million. that is used to run the blockchain network. And that algorithm is has been limited to 21, it's approximately 21 million. Of course, that will not be the exact number because people have lost Bitcoins over the years or yeah. they lost their wallets. So, yes. you know, right. yeah, yeah. in but circulation, it's meant to be around there. But I guess my question is, okay, if this is code, yeah. right? Yeah. So what's stopping people from changing the code and saying, mm. no, it's not 21 million, it should be 210 million now? Yes, yes, that's a good question. So the reason why it's not so easy is because uh, it's decentralized, which yes. means that, uh, like, let me take the Monopoly example, right? Yeah. You have a record, you have a record, you have a record. Let's say... Um, Let's say another person has a record, right? Four people. Let's yeah. say there's four people have a record of the transactions, right? Yes. If you change your record, the three of us will immediately know. They're like, wait a minute. No, MJ, you got only got 100 Bitcoin. How come you has 500, right? Yes. We will know, right? So, and that's decentralization. Everybody yes. has a copy of the Bitcoin ledger if they're connected to the network. If one person tries to change something, hack something, edit something, yeah. um, um, increase the number of Bitcoin or whatever, the rest of them will know, hey, wait a minute, something's not right. The network isn't syncing up properly. You know, The computers will detect immediately there's they a wrong there. Yes. And they will ignore yours. Yes, It's not that people haven't tried. People have tried. People yes. have tried to edit the blockchain and all that. They can't because everybody else in the network says, right. fake, fake, fake. There's yes. a scam, there's a scam. Okay, yes. they'll quickly block you out and then they'll continue with the longest running network. Yeah. Right? So I forgot the name. I think those those uh, blocks that are like the the blocks that don't work. They're called ghost blocks or something. They just sort of like exist in cyberspace, but they <laughs> right. were not added. You know, the blockchain continues yeah. with the one that everybody agrees of. Now here's the slight risk. It's called a fifty-one percent attack. Right. What happens is that if fifty-one percent of the computing power that's connected to the network, all fifty-one percent decide let's do a change, mm. then maybe something can happen. Yes, right. This says I mean um. When major changes have happened, we call it a fork, F-O-R-K, yeah. fork, yeah. right? Yeah. So there have been hard forks from um, um, Bitcoin. We call it Bitcoin Cash, cash. right? That, to make it Bitcoin faster, right? Yeah. People didn't like it. They want to make it faster. Okay, we'll make a hard fork. We, so, let's just, you know, like two sections of people. Uh, I want red color, you want blue color. Okay, <laughs> the red color people go here, blue color gang go here, yeah. right? But the main Bitcoin network still remains. Yes. You can f fork many times from it. Litecoin, yeah. Litecoin was also another fork from Bitcoin to make it faster. Yeah. BCH was there and then a few others as well. And, but the main network is still there Correct. because people still believe in the main one, right? right? So what might happen is that if a majority of people come together, they can create their own Bitcoin Forks. fork. But the main network, as long as people are still there, will still be there. Mm. Of course, that is dependent on human demand, whether people want to still on, you know, right. is, it, is it profitable to keep the network running? Yeah. So, Currently, so, it is. So mm. if there's a lot of forks, right? Yep. Yep. Does that mean that the, there there's a lot of issues with the currency? currency? Because... If the currency is good, why would there be so many forks? Am oh I right no, there are, there are definitely problems with Bitcoin. Bitcoin right. is not perfect. It's based on 2008 technology. Yeah. Right. right. It is slow. It is a bit clunky, as people say. I, I'm not a programmer, so I don't know like the right. technical details behind course, why. Yeah. But for example, a simple explanation is like um, uh, Bitcoin can take a certain limited number of transactions yes. every few minutes. Right. Yeah. I forgot what the exact size of the block was. Right. Yeah. Uh, eight megabytes or something. Uh, six blocks, I six, remember. Nine, eight, block, nine eight, blocks deep. Uh, 
something along those yeah. lines. Again, yeah. I'm not. No, to, I, I think you reach six, then it verifies. It so verifies, yeah. yes. That's one. Yeah. But each block can only take a certain number of transactions. It's right? the size of the block. It's as well. size right, of the okay. block. Yeah, yeah. yeah size of the yeah. block in terms of megabytes. Yes. Right. It's it's limited. Yes. It was based on 2008 technology. Okay. Correct. I don't blame Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah. But because of that, it's slow. Yeah. Now one of the weaknesses is that it's slow, so it takes about 10 minutes to verify a transaction. 10 Correct. to 15 minutes. Yeah. If it's busy, can take 20, 30 minutes also, yeah. and it's expensive. Now that's one problem. The good side is that because it's slow, it's harder for people to hack. So yeah. it's more secure. Mm. It's slow, but with the slowness comes the security. Yes. Or rather with the security comes a bit of a slowness. Yeah. So people made forks on the Bitcoin, like Bitcoin Cash or yes. Litecoin because they want to make it faster. Fast. Less secure in some, some sense to Bitcoin, but a lot faster. Mm. XRP, for example, can process in seconds. Yes. Bitcoin takes 10 to 15 minutes on yeah. average. Yes. Right? Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, uh, those are some of the weaknesses, I think, of the Bitcoin right. network that is based on old technology. It's a bit clunky. It's a bit slow. But uh, you know, people are, are you still using it because it's secure and people still have demand and therefore it has value. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of limited supply, right? Mm. I'm imagining, right, if I am in my 60s, yeah, yeah. boomers, right? <laughs> uh, my, my, yeah. my question would be, okay, limited supply, uh, protect yourself against inflation, uh, store value, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Why can't I just go for gold? Oh. Why why do I need to go Bitcoin and then put it on exchange, yeah. risk it being hacked? Why can't I just buy gold and then store it in a vault or something like that? Sure, why not use both? Yeah, huh? why not use both? I have a friend who invests in gold and then he takes a loan against his gold and then takes the loan money and goes buy Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm like, why not use both? I, I okay. don't see any any harm in using both. Although recently the prices of gold I think have dropped because people are, you know, oh, digital gold, I want digital gold and yeah. you know, buy Bitcoin and all that. I, I mean, to me, I, I, I used to invest in gold. So mm. I used to have a gold account with a bank and I was quite happy investing in gold. I was like, okay, it seems very secure, very stable, which is okay. good. I like the stability and then it offset the risk from my other risky investments. Yeah. The problem was this. When I asked the bank, uh, excuse me, can you um, allow me to withdraw my physical gold? Because I have about 20 grams of gold. Mm. Quite, a, quite a fair bit, right? Mm -hmm. Can I withdraw the physical gold? And my friends have done it before. They get like a little a flake or like a, a, a bar, yeah. something like that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I, can I withdraw the gold? They said, oh, sorry, we don't offer this service anymore. Oh. When they said that, I was like what? shocked. I was like, huh? they changed the terms. mine. <laughs> right. They yeah. changed the terms without us knowing. I was like, I bought gold from you with the intention that one day I'll get a bar of gold, right? Yeah, yeah. Keep it in my safe or something. They said, cannot. I was like, huh? This is very suspicious. Yeah. And so I decided, okay, you know what? I, I cannot trust that, that anymore. So I took out all my money and put it into digital gold, which is Bitcoin. But right. I do plan to, once I've made some profits, to channel some back into gold. Mm. Right. Just for the sake of balancing, I think. I think it's always good to balance risk. Um, nothing is perfect. Gold yeah. is not perfect either. You know, yeah. people use it as a store of value. I think that's fine. It, has a it certainly has a historical stability to it. That's fine. But it doesn't earn much money, mm. right? If I want to earn money, I go in Bitcoin. Now, after I made profit, okay, let me let me store my profits in other more stable you know, currencies or perhaps in gold. So I, I would say, use both. I don't see a problem in using both. Right. Yeah. Will you say that what you just described is the biggest reason if, if let's say people could only pick one, uh, mm. of course, in the real world, you can pick both. Yep. But uh, just for hypothetical illustration purposes, yep. Yep. let's say you can only pick one. Is that the biggest reason why you should people should be opting for Bitcoin instead of gold? I think Bitcoin provides a more easily accessible kind of a goal because mm. it's digital. I can right. literally take my phone, ta -ta -ta done, buy Bitcoin in less than a minute. Frictionless right. compared to... Frictionless is a good word. Exactly. Yeah. Goal, I need to set up an account, line, I need to go to the bank, line, I need to key in, I need to buy and it's expensive. You need to do KYC and, right. and all that. I mean, again. yeah, I mean, you know, so... 
in that sense, frictionless is an excellent word. It's a lot easier for me to buy Bitcoin than it is to buy right. gold. And yeah. I can buy one ringgit worth of Bitcoin yeah. if I really want. Okay, okay. In, uh, in Malaysia, Luno is about three ringgit. Okay, yeah. minimum, three, minimum ringgit. three, I think. I don't, know, I don't think you can buy gold for three ringgit. Maybe you yeah, can. Yeah, and if you, can only, if you only have one ringgit to invest, I suggest exactly. there are a lot of things to solve <laughs> like, in your exactly. life. Exactly. Don't think about crypto. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other companies like Hello Gold have made it more accessible. Okay. That's yeah. fine. I think that's good. And you know, it's always good to have different varieties of investments for people. But the thing, I think the, the, the advantage that physical gold has over digital gold, especially for older people, mm-hmm. is because physical is something concrete I can touch you and can hold. Touch it it's, it's, tangible. Been a, it's tangible. It's been around for thousands of years. Everybody looks at gold. Gold ring, la, gold watch. La. It still has value, right? Mm-hmm. It still has intrinsic intrinsic value. But then I challenge people like, intrinsic value, are you sure? How many? How many of you use gold for its intrinsic value? <laughs> do you make copper? Do you make wires out of it for your electronics? Do you use it for chemical? What intrinsic value are you talking about? Can you eat a gold bar? Cannot. Mm. So I challenge people like, does it really have intrinsic value? Are mm. you sure? Mm. But uh, it's been around for thousands of years, and it's right. it's hard to get rid of something that's been around for so long yeah. and stuck in people's mind, especially in the older generation. Correct. My father doesn't invest in Bitcoin. I'm the son. I I'm a cryptocurrency educator. Uh-huh. My father always talks to me about it. Wow, price is going up. Price is going up. I'm like, Papa, are you ready to invest? No lah, no lah. It's okay lah. <laughs> I, 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 no, it's okay for young people all. So he has that attitude. And I, I'm fine. I don't force him. He wants something that he is familiar with. with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm fine. But I always tell you, you know, progress is inevitable. But of course, he's older lah. So he doesn't feel the FOMO, I think. I, I, I think yeah. part of the reason is also because if uh, this is really a very young space. It is. And when I, sp- I mean young, yeah. I don't just mean the duration of the space. I mean the, the people that is inside Correct. it, right? Yes. yes. So I think many people see it as a... Uh, 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 to use a crude way, a middle finger to the current establishment, mm. yeah. right? Mm. They, they, they don't really like it. Whereas boomers, people in their 50s, 60s, uh, our dads and all that, Correct. they are in that age. Yes. So, and they... they in a way, they don't need to make money because they yeah. already have it. Yeah. Whereas those of us who are young, we want to make it and crypto is kind of like the outlet. Exactly. Right? It's taking power away from those big companies which right. used to hold all the power. Yes. Now, I have the power. One of my friends gave this example. Is like Sometimes when you go through a broker, a broker, for example, in stock market or whatever market, you know, they take a fee from you. They will, you know, if the dividends are paid to them directly first, they might give you and then you can always run away the money or whatever. Yeah. If I buy a cryptocurrency, I am the owner. Yes. Mm. I own all the benefits and the risks Correct. that come with it. Correct. I have the power essentially. And I think yeah. people are slowly waking up and realizing, oh, I can take away power from those places and put it to myself. Actually, the conversation about the father and son yeah. reminded me about Peter Schiff's uh, latest. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. oh what, did he, what did he do? So he's, uh, for those uh, who don't know, he's a big believer in gold. Yes. And he his son's entire portfolio now is in crypto. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised because yeah. you're right. La, older people prefer the centralization yeah. and younger people, I think, are waking up and where but the in the case of Peter Schiff, that's interesting. He doesn't like centralization. Yeah, Peter Schiff doesn't, doesn't like it. He doesn't. That, that oh. is, no, yeah. because you know, because you know, his father yes. got um got uh he, he got into problems with the law. Okay, mm. and I believe he was jailed. Okay. Peter Schiff's father was okay. jailed. Okay, so he has always hated centralization. He always oh. hated the government. I see. So he in in a, in a weird way, right? He can actually argue for Bitcoin, but ninety percent of the way, <laughs> right? Yes. Right? right. Because right, everything right. you say about Bitcoin can be actually be used for gold as well. Yeah, mm. a mm. lot, a lot, right? Yeah, it's just that additional the tax side where, where there's a differing uh, view, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So anyway, so so now let's go talk about. So you talk about why Bitcoin, mm. some of the myths about Bitcoin. Now let's talk about the practical side of things, right? Yeah. How do you actually go about buying? 
Yeah. Then storing crypto. What are your options? Yeah. Okay. So um, for Malaysians, uh, thankfully, we have three registered exchanges in Malaysia. Yeah. Right. Luno, Tokenize, Synergy. Yeah. I've briefly used all of them, but I I, I genuinely as of this recording. As, as of this we never know. Next year, who knows? Who yeah. knows? There yeah. might be more. I'm sure more people are applying for right, it, but right, it's not so right. easy to get licensed in Malaysia. Yeah. The Securities Commission is very strict. They want to make sure that whatever exchange gets licensed is going to be secure mm. for Malaysians to use. Mm. Right. And that's a good thing. I love I love the fact that they make sure that these companies are well established, that they're good companies, strong, they've got good security, so that investors are safe. Right? right. So I, like I said, I prefer Luno. I'm actually a Luno affiliate. Mm-hmm. So because I showed Luno that you know I educate people on cryptocurrency, and they they say yeah yeah you can join as an affiliate, and um, I I then you know help to promote that platform as well. Yeah. Right. And I enjoy doing it because it's a good platform. Yeah. 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 And so that's one of the fastest ways I think people can can actually um, start buying cryptocurrency. They yes. can download the app, verify. All you need to do is that you need, sorry. All you need to be is a Malaysian over the age of 18 mm-hmm. with an IC. Mm. That's it. And you can already start downloading and verifying the app. Uh, if you if you want to, you can actually contact me okay. and I will be happy to give you my promotion code is LunoRoss50. Okay. If you want to use it, just enter a reward code, put the code in, you will get a 50 ringgit reward of Bitcoin mm. on your first 500 ringgit purchase. Right. Okay. So it's a 10% reward. It's a pretty good reward. Yeah. Right? 50 ringgit reward of Bitcoin and Bitcoin has a lot of value. So uh, I've been using that code. I've been helping people. Anybody who uses my code has direct access to me. Mm. You can right. WhatsApp me, ask me questions and people say, hey, Ross, how do I do this? Can you send me a tutorial? And I'll be happy to show them. But it's actually, I've been getting a lot of feedback that it's really, really easy to use. Mm, Luno yeah. has made it very accessible for Malaysians to use. And um, how Luno operates is they have what is known as a hot wallet, mm. right? So Luno's wallets are all online. Mm. I can access it from my app, right? Yeah. It's all online. And like I said earlier, hot wallets have that risk yes. that hackers can somehow yeah. you know, yeah. hack into it if it's online. Now, how Luno mitigates the risk is with their own security protocols and procedures. Mm. Thankfully, Luno has never been hacked before. Mm. Other Many other platforms have been hacked before. Luno has never been hacked. Very secure, which is excellent. It's good news for Malaysians like you and me, you know, that we can use it uh, confidently, yeah. right? Uh, does that mean it's absolutely perfect? No. There are some risks. For example, PIDM does not insure cryptocurrency, mm. right? So there's no insurance for it, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but you know, at least uh, the Securities Commission does guarantee that this is a secure platform. It's safe for Malaysians to use. Mm. So that's good. That's how people can get started. I would say Luno is an excellent place. Mm. Luno also has resources on their blog to teach people how to do it. Or I also do classes on Thursday nights. Follow my social media and be happy to teach you. WhatsApp me. I'll Great. be happy to help you as well. Great. That's one of the ways to get started. Right. Yeah. So, so, so I can buy any coins on Luno. Is ah. that right? So one of the limitations is that because in Malaysia we have our regulations, mm. our regulators want to make sure that Malaysians are not exposed to too much risk. Okay. So there are some coins that can go up 100, 200% one day and then drop by 700% the next day. <laughs> and I've seen those coins in real life as well. Mm. So they only have four coins available on Luno. One is uh, Bitcoin, okay. Ethereum, uh, Litecoin and XRP. Mm. Now, what's also special in Malaysia's case because we have Sharia court and Sharia laws for Muslims especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I read this carefully, so I'll be sure to say this right. Yeah. Uh, all of these coins are considered uh, halal, right? Sharia so compliant. Sharia compliant, right? That's a better word. Sorry, not halal, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> Sharia compliant. So yeah. Muslims are, can freely purchase and use them and trade with them uh, without having to fear uh, any repercussions, right? Those four. The rest of the coins in the world, there are, like I said, 2,000 different coins, right? Dodge coin, so Jesus <laughs> coin, whatever. <laughs> yeah. There are so many coins in the world. So yeah. I think our regulators also want to make sure that, you know, Malaysians are kept away from mm. too much risk. We want to make sure that they can invest, but invest in safer, sort of like more stable coins. Right. right. Yeah. But if I, but, but even like, for example, you mentioned earlier on about mm. stable coins, yep. USDT, yep. right? Yep. So that, for my understanding, there's no stable coin in... Uh, 
Ah, so here's the interesting thing. So how do I get on stable coins? Luno, Luno is actually introducing USDC. Oh, USDC. Which is another form of stable coin. It's similar to USDT, but USDC, the company is well audited. Mm. right? So it's actually a bit more secure than USDT. And they're actually adding it. The only issue is that I think they're adding it to other countries like Singapore first. Um, <laughs> our Malaysian regulators, unfortunately, I don't think have given approval for it yet. I see. I'm actually in talks with one of my managers who manages my affiliate program. And, and she's been saying that, you know, Luno is constantly... Um, you know, uh, fighting for all these extra benefits to be added to Malaysians users, but the regulators just need to be, you know, they need to do their research, they need to investigate, make sure that everything is safe first. And there are certain rules I think that our regulators have that they're not willing to expose us to certain things. Mm. And I understand where they're coming from as well, although it can be frustrating. Like it's yeah. a nice stable coin to have. Yeah. In fact, Luno in Singapore, they actually give interest on Bitcoin. If you keep your Bitcoin there in the wallet in Luno, mm. you will get, I think, 4% interest per annum. Something, oh. like something along those lines, if mm. I remember correctly. And that's wonderful. And people in Malaysia are asking me, hey, Ross, I see Luno is giving interest on Bitcoin. Can I? Can I? It's like, unfortunately, Malaysia, we don't have it yet, mm. but we are fighting for it. So what are the other alternatives to, f um, in a way... For uh, investors. Yeah, yeah let's say investors. I'm impatient. I really yeah. want to get on USDT. I want yes, to buy yes, all yes. these other 2,000 coins. What sure. do I do? So what you can do is you can go to other platforms. Now, one of the ones that I use is called Binance. Okay. Binance is very big in Asia. It comes from China is a guy run by a guy named CZ and his company, right? It's yeah. it's it's it, it is either the biggest or the second biggest in the world. I think it's the it, yeah, yeah among the top two. Like. Yeah, top two. One I think is, that one's Coinbase. Uh, so Coinbase yeah. for Coinbase. Coinbase more for Americans yeah. and the rest of the world all pretty much Binance, right? Yeah. Binance is why we refer to most of the time. So Binance is very easy to sign up. Again, you need some kind of verification. Yeah. People are a bit concerned about the, just, hey Ross, I need to give my IC picture and all but, that. But then to the bank, they give everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you trust the centralization. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the exchanges are centralized in a sense, right? It's yes. run by a company. The exchange is run by a company. Yeah. And so you can sign up with Binance. Binance has hundreds of cryptocurrencies to choose from. Yeah. You can buy USDT via, so the, the only risk here is that, um, in Binance, to buy something like USDT, you have to do it P2P. Yeah. Right? P2P is the basic way. P2P is peer-to-peer, -peer, which means that there's other Malaysians who hold USDT mm. and you want to buy from me. Let's mm. say, for example, I have 1,000 USDT you want to buy. So 1,000 USD is about 4,000 ringgit approximately, right? right? Yeah. So you have 4,000 ringgit in your bank account. You will transfer your money to my bank account. I will release the USDT to you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. You're yeah, gone. Sure. Oh, okay. Water, water break. Water. Yeah. Oh, okay. No yeah. problem. Water I see refill, that you're, refill. Yeah, you're yeah, running yeah. out of water, so... No problem. Let's, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so that's how the P2P function on Binance works. And I've been using that very regularly. Right. Some people don't like that because, hey, can trust me? Someone going to transfer money to me? What if they don't transfer? And so scams can happen. You know, these things can happen. So you always go with verified sellers, right? Yes. There are verified sellers on the list. And, you know, you have to be careful and smart as well, lah, regardless yeah. of what you're using, you know? And... Um, so Binance, you buy USDT and because USDT is quote-unquote the online equivalent of US dollar, it's like the big dog, you can buy practically any cryptocurrency on yeah. earth with yeah. the USDT, right? Yeah. It's very it's very liquid, it's very stable and all that. So uh, people, I would recommend, if you don't want to use, or if you're using Luno as a Malaysian, that's great. If you want to explore other options, use Binance. But Binance is a bit more complicated. Mm. So I would say start with Luno as a beginner, yeah. get used to the market, then move on to Binance. And I also teach some simple tutorials on Binance as great. well. So, so yeah. if, if I, let's say if I'm a true and blue crypto, mm. I, I believe that I I, I don't want anyone to know my information. Right. I don't believe in centralized system because right. Luno and Binance are centralized yep. Yep. Uh, exchange. Yep. Is there a way for me to actually buy 
crypto, but not from centralized people. Yes, you are absolutely right. There is a possibility. It's called DeFi, decentralized yep. finance. In mm. fact, that's what, that was how Bitcoin was birthed, right? It was birthed as a de decentralized finance tool. And then, so we have decentralized markets. They're called DEX, right? DEX, decentralized mm. exchange, where it's basically everything a centralized exchange has, but this is just sort of like a site where you are interacting directly with users. You don't go through a centralized platform. You go through a decentralized platform. You have wallets like MetaMask, for example, mm. to access these decentralized exchanges. Unfortunately, I am more of a centralized guy. Wow. <laughs> I prefer some simplicity in my life and I like the centralized exchanges that they make things. Like there's a customer service that I can go to for help. Yeah. Right? My friend who was on decentralized exchange, he bought this token. His account got hacked. He lost 4,000 ringgit in one second like that. Wow. Just because, because you get hacked is instant, right? Yeah. Who can he complain to? There's no customer service. Yes. There's no central authority. There's no nobody can help him. It's the wild west, lah. Exactly, it's the wild wild west. So yeah. I mean, right. yes, you don't want to trust your banks or centralization. You don't want it, okay? But you must accept the full risks that Correct. come with that. And Correct. the full risk is that you can get burned yeah. very badly. And I've seen people get burned, and their whole account is just drained like that. At least on Binance, when Binance got hacked, they refunded the money back to people. Mm. Right? There's a central authority there to protect your needs. Mm. There's a customer service there to to answer your questions. Right? Yes in decentralized and, and you know i'm also still learning in the space i'm not very um uh, knowledgeable in defi yet yep. i'm experimenting i'm learning so that's something i'm looking forward to learn uh, more about mm. because i do think that it is important mm. it is important to have some power in your hands yeah. because there is there is definitely the reason why it was created i'm pretty sure was because there is a need for decentralization people mm. like what you said but bitcoin was created yeah. to be a decentralized system exactly but right now you're seeing two school of thoughts one is a centralized system and one is the defi right yeah. there is definitely yeah. a need need yeah. for it right. so what I'm hoping for is that a combination of decentralized and centralized, mm. right, together, working together to reach what is known as the unbanked. So I have a friend who works in Bank Nagara, Malaysia. Okay. I won't say his name. Okay. I'll keep it anonymous. <laughs> but he works there and he was telling me that one of the things that the, the banks try to do sometimes is to reach the unbanked. Mm. But it's very difficult. Yeah. People who have no credit history, yeah. people who have no bank account, yeah. people who still need money to survive, yeah. right? Yes. People who have black, uh, black, whatever, they, whatever circumstances in their life, they don't have a bank. They don't have any currency easily accessible accessible to them. And Bitcoin and decentralized finance offers them this opportunity. Yes. I just need a phone yeah. and an internet connection. I can own currency in a way that I cannot get from a bank Correct. or a loan yeah. or something like that where the centralized authorities are giving all these limitations and you must give me your form. I need to see your IC, this document. Or I, proof of income. Something like that, right? Mm. And some people don't have that. Yeah. I lost my job during MCO. Mm. I was a full-time entertainer. Yeah. I completely, zero income for six months. Yes. How could I, have, if I needed a loan for money to get by? Or even get a credit card. I don't think anyone... I can't, yeah. I can't get a credit card. My brother and I were struggling to get credit cards because we mostly work part-time. Yeah. It was really tough. Yeah. But I took the first loan in my life I took was from a cryptocurrency platform. Oh. I took one loan, approved in 24 hours, 100% approval rate. They didn't ask for my credit history. They didn't ask for my credit score. Not, they didn't ask for my income. They didn't ask what my race is, <laughs> what, my, what my ethnicity is. They didn't ask my age, my gen, nothing. But they did a KYC on you, obviously. A KYC with my my, my passport. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Everybody needs to do KYC. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. And so what um, is this platform you got to share? With oh, us? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to share. I'm also an ambassador of this platform, quote unquote. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, disclaimer. Yeah. So um, uh, it's called Celsius. Mm. Right? It's called Celsius. They recently reached their asset under management, recently crossed the 10 billion mark. Wow. That's a big achievement for us. And I've been with the platform for since November last year. Okay. So still a fairly new user. But man, the platform has been growing exponentially, mm. right? Really mm. been growing. Um, and then, um, so how Celsius functions is like a bank, mm -hmm. but cryptocurrency kind of bank. So mm. that's interesting, right? It's the combination 
of centralization and also cryptocurrency. Yes. And they're trying to merge it together. And so what they function is very simple. In all our savings accounts, all of us have savings account interest, right? Yeah, Your yes. banks. What What do you think is the savings interest in Malaysia? Fixed the saving, no, uh, no, no, not fixed the savings. Savings, savings. savings. Point one, point two. Oh, point one, point two is very, 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 very optimistic. It's much <laughs> lower than that. Okay. So for a person who has like ten thousand ringgit in the savings account, usually savings rate is about zero point two five. Oof. Zero point two five, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And it it it's so little. It's so little that it's almost pointless. Okay. Right? Even fixed deposit. What's the fixed deposit rate? Maybe 1.75, I think, yeah. based on the latest yeah. OPR. Yeah. If you're lucky, maybe 2 3%. If you're really lucky, you know. Yeah. And um, in Celsius, what they do is you deposit your cryptocurrency, mm. just like how you do in a bank. You deposit ringgit in a bank, you deposit cryptocurrency in Celsius, yeah. and they give you interest. The Bitcoin interest, if I remember correctly, is about starting at 5%. Starts at 5%, you starts, know? Starts, what do you mean starts by starts at 5%. At 5%. That 5%. means, um, so because cryptocurrency is volatile, yeah. the market fluctuates. So right. the interest savings rate per annum can change from time to time. Okay. Okay. Sometimes it's 6%, right? When I first year, it was 6%. Then the market went down a bit, it corrected to about 5%. Mm. Then if the market goes bullish again, it might go up to 6% again. Yeah. So that, that rate is always fluctuating based right. on the market. Floating rate. La. Ah, something like that. Yeah. But they do try to keep it standardized. They mm. do try to keep it as much as possible as a, 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 to, to, to a particular rate. Otherwise, if it floats too much, it's a bit confusing. Yeah. Right? So for if I... I, so, for example, let's say I have 10,000 ringgit. I put in ringgit into my bank account. Okay. And they give me 0.25% per annum. Yeah. It's basically nothing, right? Yeah. So, then I take the 10,000 ringgit, I buy Bitcoin, and I put into Celsius. Mm. I get 5% per annum. Yeah. After one year, which one I'm going to have more money? Of course, the Bitcoin account. Correct. And Bitcoin is constantly appreciating in value. Yes, right. At the moment. La. My mm, ringgit right. Malaysia, if anybody thinks ringgit Malaysia is going to appreciate, then I think, you know, uh, I would love to live under your rock as well. La. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's happening anytime so soon. It's a big wrong. Right? At least, <laughs> back at least the, not in one year. Back to the point of inflationary and deflationary. Exactly. So, so I, I I, I've actually never taken an FD in my life before. Oh, and okay. uh, and so, but I presume that you receive fixed deposits at the end of the year. Correct. Right? Yeah, Correct. There's, there's two choices. Either you can deposit the proceeds of your interest back into the fixed D, that means you roll it, mm. or you can actually have the option of it banked into your account after one year. It depends on the duration. Right. Mm. So you can actually take a fixed D, the shortest uh, is actually one month. Mm. And then the longest is obviously you can negotiate with the bank. Sometimes you can even take in, the longer you keep it in, uh, the, the higher the interest, interest rate. rate right. Right. Because you lock in. Ma. Okay, yeah. so is this the same for Celsius? Does no, it's it completely different. What Celsius wants to do is they want to go away from the limitations that banks have. Okay. A simple example is this. I'll start with one and then I'll talk about the interest. Um, okay. in, in savings accounts in banks, if you have 10,000, you qualify for 0.25. Right? Yes, yes. If you have 300,001, mm. not all banks, but the bank that I looked at, 300,001 ringgit, you get 0.8%. Higher. So higher, it's a little bit higher, 0.25 to 0.8 is, you know, is a, a, a difference, but it's not even 1%. Huh? Mm. But you need 300,000 ringgit in capital to mm. put in the savings account mm. or fixed deposit, whatever it is. Right. In Celsius, I can put $1 worth of Bitcoin, I can put $100 worth of Bitcoin. I will earn 5% regardless. Great. And that's something that Celsius is doing that no bank does. Banks reward the wealthy. Yeah. You put in more money for yeah, a longer yeah. period of time, yes. you get more interest. Correct. Celsius says, no, we're not like that. We want to keep, treat everybody equally. Socialist. Right? <laughs> so, so Yeah, you could kind of say that, but everybody, <laughs> no, the CEO kidding. earns yeah. the same interest I earn. Yeah. How many companies do you know do that? There's yeah. no tier in a way that exactly. favors the rich. Uh, and also to answer MJ's right. question as well, uh, the interest is paid on a weekly basis, mm. so it can compound weekly, which is excellent. Unlike a fixed deposit, if you take out early, they'll, they'll penalize you by taking the interest away. Correct. Right. So if you have to withdraw for whatever reason, in Celsius, you can withdraw. You can put in today, take out tomorrow, they will not penalize you for anything. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. But yes. I guess, of course, then the next question will be, um, 
one is how do they make money? Yeah. Right? Ah, because they're paying question. so much interest, right? Yeah. And the interest is in the cryptocurrency itself, right? Like so like Bitcoin receives uh, interest f- with with Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 Yep. How does it work? So how how do they even make money? Because a bank is very clear, right? They take money from you, they loan to someone else at a high interest rate, they make the money. Yeah. So that's a, a bank. But how does Celsius does it? Secondly, how do we know that it's secure, right? Because mm. a bank, we trust a bank in a way is because it's secure, it has all these uh, rules and regulations. So what is it for Celsius? Okay, so to address the first question, how do they make money? Uh, in fact, it's, it's fun because uh, last night is Friday. Usually on Friday nights, I do this introduction to Celsius. Right. I invite the public to join. So if anybody wants to you know, uh, know yeah. more, they're watching, they can come and join my talks. I'll leave links to that with you guys. Um, so now how they make money, they, they call it the Celsius flywheel token economics, which is a fancy <laughs> word, right? Fancy word for, you know, you know how the the business runs lah. Okay, in banks we're used to the traditional system of banks. Actually, Celsius operates on a very similar system. Like mm. I said, they are just they they're almost like a bank, but not quite. Okay, so how it works is like this: so I put in my cryptocurrency as an asset into Celsius's accounts. Right, yep. Celsius then takes cryptocurrency and loans it out to institutions who are we call as market makers. Mm. Right? So these market makers, they want to make profit by trading cryptocurrency in large volumes. Mm. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to take on the risk of buying it themselves. Mm. What they do is they have a lot of cash reserves and collateral. Yeah. They collateralize their cash reserves. They borrow the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from Celsius. Mm. They go and make their money in the market, bullish, bearish, whatever they make their money. And then they pay an interest back to Celsius. So Celsius collects all the interest from these market makers and then pays the interest back to the users. Mm. That's essentially what banks do as well. The problem is banks give you 0.25%, right? Celsius gives you starting at about 4 5% interest, mm. right? Because mm. they try to give whatever, let's say they earn $100, 80% of that, in terms of profit, $100 profit, 80% is channeled back to the users. Mm. 20% is for their business expense. Right. Now, of course, everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah. Right? How do you know it's exactly 80%, not 79 not 78 We, we won't really know right. yeah. if that changes. We have to trust the company behind it. In terms of security, right? That's where the, mm. this question comes yes, in. Yes. How many of you actually, you know, do background research on, on banks in, in local and even, banks? Even if you want to, I don't think they're going to yeah. review their How, books to you. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody reveals anything to you. At yeah. least in... in, in um, well, I mean, you Celsius doesn't reveal all their information because they all have their own definite trade secrets as well. They do, however, tell us community information like how much Bitcoin is now in Celsius, mm. what's the asset under management. So in terms of security, this is what I like about Celsius and that's why centralization is important. Mm. Um, one thing that they have is that they are um, audited mm. in the UK. Mm. So that's very good. I don't see many platforms which I, I Binance might be audited. I'm not sure. I don't think they are, mm. but I, I have no idea. Mm. Even Luno, I've never seen like a Luno audited report. Maybe by, they do by, have one. By SC or BNM. Probably, or but it's not available to public as far as I've seen online. Mm. But as I, I, Celsius has one and I found it online, right? Mm. So that's one audit. I like the fact that it's audited. Mm. That's good. That's a good point. The second one that's regulated as well. Mm. Now the SEC, which has been given companies, companies like XRP and USDT problems, the SEC has actually approved Celsius. Mm, they have wow. a regulation on SEC. You can go and find it. I went, actually searched it myself. I saw the document with the CEO's, the CEO's name and I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So uh, Celsius does have some kind of approval. Now, I will say this as a disclaimer, because the SEC and all government agencies are still trying to understand cryptocurrency, these are all conditional sort of approvals mm. which have a certain time limit. So maybe three years, five years. Yeah. After that time expires, we don't know what the regulations might change, right? right. So there's, there, there is a slight risk. But the fact that they got it mm. 
gives me a lot of confidence. Mm. They're all, they've also got other, um, um, excuse me, I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called, FCA or something. It's a, the UK. It's a UK one, a mm. provisional FCA thingy. Mm. So again, th- these are all provisional time-based because regulators don't know how to deal with cryptocurrency sure. yet. They're still figuring it out. They're still learning. As we are we are progressing exponentially, they're still learning. But the fact that Celsius plays well with regulators mm. makes me happy mm. because they're playing well. Yeah, They've got yeah. an established presence. They're you know international company and all that. So uh, I hope that answers your question yeah. on security, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and also I think if you're listening to this and you think banks are safe, right? Like <laughs> 2008, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best example. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I think it's quite interesting that Bitcoin was. Created. I mean, literally, the crash started. I think September two thousand eight, and then October. Satoshi Satoshi came out with it. Yeah, no, no, here's an interesting point. You just reminded me. Yeah. So talking about Celsius again. By the way, if you want to join a Celsius, I, I'm happy to give you my referral code. I'm an ambassador as well, so I can have a direct connection. Unfortunately, with you. I open it. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I open it under Gabriel's uh, that one. Uh, so. Oh, Gabriel steal my market share. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's I, called UKFCA. Financial FCA, Conduct yeah. Authority. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I actually sent the audit report of Celsius to my friend who is an auditor, mm. first thing he said, do they have FCA? I was like, what is FCA? Then I went on the website. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, got, got provisional FCA. Yeah. They haven't, I think they're still working out the, the, the things with them, but yeah. uh, they got it. And then my auditor was like, oh, okay, good, good, good. Um, the only thing he commented, I think, was because um, uh, in cryptocurrency world, because everybody invests their assets into the platform. Correct. So the platform, platforms are, oh, what is it? There are no external investors. They raise the funds themselves. Mm. So he said that's one thing that, you know, if other companies invest into Celsius, they would have done their due diligence as well. So like, let's say Maybank invests in Celsius, La Public Bank invests, then you can trust that the banks have done their groundwork for you. Yeah. Now you have I to do the groundwork yourself. Name, Public <laughs> yeah, banks in Celsius. That'd be, that'd be really fun. That'd be really fun. Even like, uh, so So he said when other companies invest into Celsius, then you know they've done their due diligence. Correct. Right? So, But now we have to do it ourselves. Yes. Right? In, in cryptocurrency, kind of like, you have to be your own bank. Lah. Actually, you think of it, uh, yeah. You are you are like a PE fund ready, you know. Yeah, kind because, of. Because uh, because yeah. if you if a public listed company they want to raise funds uh, through a private placement, Correct. right? Yeah. The private placey will have to do its own due diligence, and yeah. only high net worth guys usually get to do that. Now you get to do it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything's online, so yeah. just do your own research. And yeah. I was gonna say, so talking about the crash in two thousand two thousand and eight, right? The the banks they gave out too much risk, risky loans. Yeah, yeah. People couldn't pay back, right? Everything, the whole finances, the government had to come and bail them out. So then people ask me, so Celsius gives out loans or so what? Mm. What if people cannot pay back? Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. So I'll give you an example. I took a loan where I put some Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, Celsius f- uh, uh, only allows you to take loan if you have collateral. That's the key point. That's the key point. Yeah. And the collateral has to be four times the amount of the loan. Oh. So I took a loan of a, a 1,020, one, about 1,020 USD. So it's mm. about 1,020 US dollars. It's about 4,000 ringgit, mm. right? My Bitcoin collateral had to be four times that amount. It mm. had to be worth 4K at the time, right? So for 4K collateral, I get a 1K loan. Mm. Even if for, there's so much collateral that even if I don't pay back the 1K loan, they yeah. can just take one fourth of my collateral mm. and then give me the remainder, mm. right? So in that sense, Celsius cannot lose mm. because there's always going to be collateral there for them to just take and then they sell off and then they cover their costs. They cannot lose and that keeps the, the platform stable mm. and it prevents anything like what happened in 2008 where they give right. up too much risk and people cannot pay back and then they don't have enough money. That's a very when good you, point. When I think yeah. about the the current, don't talk about extreme situation, the current one, right? Yeah. You can actually take a loan nine or ten times of your collateral Correct. in a bank, Correct. right? It's yeah. the reverse. It's right? the reverse. like a house. Yeah, yeah. Like a house. And you don't need collateral, you just need income. Yeah. Ah yes. Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Like credit cards, especially, yep. right? Yeah. 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 So that's that. In, in if you look at it from that perspective, is like way more risky than exactly. And, and the worst part is since you brought up that point, MJ, 
the this in this Celsius case, the collateral sits with them. Correct. Yeah. But in the bank's case, when they're giving us loan, the collateral sits with us. You know, if you mm. think about it, you are if if you want to recover your collateral asset, like, like let's say your motorcycle, or your car, yeah, you just right? take it out. Yeah. You it's you need to get someone to reprocess. You know, but Correct. for Celsius, you don't it's need a repossessor. It's in the app. They have it in the app. It's crazy. In the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they have things like the margin call and all that. So, but you know, but. So far, it's never been triggered yet like, because the yeah. market has been very, very bullish. Yeah. Do, do so, they have uh, insurance? Are okay. they insured? So insurance, they do have some level of insurance. Um, the, the issue with cryptocurrency is hard for people to insure yeah. because it's so risky, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but they do have insurance on what is known as cold storage. Mm. So remember, I think like cold yeah, wallets, yeah, yeah. some of uh, crypt, uh, the assets in Celsius are kept offline mm. in their cold storage. Right, because they want to reduce their risk as well. That is insured. Yeah. Right. Definitely, because it's easy to insure. It's offline. Right. But when I when the assets are being lent out to you or what? Uh, sorry, to institutions who are loaning it. Yeah. Because it's out as a loan, it's not insured. Mm. However, that institution, in order to borrow, needs to provide more collateral. The same way I provide collateral, they provide collateral. So if anything happen, Celsius use the collateral, liquidate it, and then go and pay back. If if let's say someone were to default, that's one. Secondly, if there's an event of a hack, Celsius has personally, um, in a statement said, the CEO said, we have about 700 million on our balance sheet. Mm. If there is a hack, we will use our own personal money, 700 billion up to about that. Sorry, 700 million. million. And, and use it to pay back the users should there be a hack. Mm. And mm. this has happened to other platforms before. Thankfully, Celsius has never been hacked since mm. the day right. of operation. So, right? so, I mean, I'm just doing some math, right? So, yeah. you, you're saying that they hit 10 billion. Mm. They hit 10 billion AUM. So assets so under management, management, all the users combined together right. just hit 10 billion. So so as of now, it seems to me that that 700 million is not very adequate in the event that there yeah, is yeah. everyone. Definitely, lives, definitely. Right? I, I'm always, I always be clear on this. Cryptocurrency is a risky place to go. Insurance companies have not got some insurance yeah. that is that is amazing <laughs> to, to... How do you how do you insure 10 billion? How do you underwrite? How do you insure Crypto. 10 billion? It is it's almost impossible. So anything, take with a pinch of salt. Do your own assessment of risk. Please don't put all your eggs in one basket. Please, please, those who are listening, please don't put all your money into Celsius because it sounds so amazing, right? Yeah, right? Put a portion of it there. That's fine. Um, so yes, insurance is always going to be an issue, I think. However, the CEO has recently state, stated in his weekly Friday videos, they want to do a community insurance. So what they're doing is they will give you, so let's say I'm earning 5% interest on my cryptocurrency, my Bitcoin. Yeah. A small 0.3% of that will go towards a community funded insurance mm, that will insure all our stuff, right? Mm. So a small percentage. Of course, I don't think it's possible to insure 10 billion. Yeah. Right? It's just virtually impossible. But they will take a small community fund which we can opt for. Yeah. Let's say I want to be part of this insurance. Should anything happen, I can allow some of that profit, not even my Bitcoin, the profit that they're paying me to be going to the insurance. They haven't uh, launched it yet, but they've, uh, they've been mentioning it on their weekly um, um, sessions on YouTube, yeah. on the live sessions with this year. So I think that's wonderful. Great. That is giving the power back to the community to decide. Yeah. 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 That's great, man. Okay. Look, I, I hate to end the podcast, uh, but no before worries, we end, man. I just want to check in, right? Yep. So what are you working on now with crypto? What uh, what what is your latest discoveries? Yeah. What, what, what are you excited about? Right. So um, I, I'm currently teaching psychology, right? Mm. At the college. Unfortunately, it's only a part-time job. Mm. And uh, in, in, in this kind of season of MCO, I need a full-time income, right? Great. And cryptocurrency has been very exciting for me. I, I really enjoy teaching about it as well. Mm. There's a lot of demand. So I've actually applied to work at uh, uh, Luno, right? Oh. Luno Malaysia's in Nirenberg Hut. I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying that. I yeah. think it, it's truthful. <laughs> it is true. I've applied. Um, I'll be going for my interview soon. I passed through their first, uh, first two 
first two hurdles, you would say the right. resume resume pass. Then they give you a, a document where they ask you questions and you have to answer. Mm. Pass that as well. Now the interview is the next one. I see. So nice. if I get hired there, then I'll be working there full time, fully in the cryptocurrency then space. Then become a crypto ambassador. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm more than happy. I think it's been very beneficial to me and to others as well. Mm. So that's what I'm working on, working on getting a full time job in the crypto sphere. Okay. Uh, second thing I'm working on is I am trying to slowly work on my own personal websites where I want to upload, you know, information and videos and tutorials. I want. I love doing tutorials for people Great. teaching them how to buy Bitcoin how to do this and people have been messaging me one by one but it's so hard to reply 100 messages a day it's not scalable it's not scalable so I need to now I'm struggling to like come up with a nice website and everything and <laughs> I've been asking for advice from even MG has been giving me advice you yeah. know and um how to start scaling it online so mm. that people can easily access resources. I can sell products, maybe even write a simple like how-to Bitcoin book or whatever. Mm, mm, right. right. So those are my future plans. Uh, but hopefully if I get, once I get my foot in the door, I think then everything will just, you know, take great, off from there. Great, great. Yeah. Looking, looking forward. I mean, there's so many things we can, we, we, I, I had to leave out, right? Like yeah, we're going to talk about NFTs, we're going to talk oh, about man. Oh, you yeah. farming, <laughs> we're going to talk about altcoins oh, and all that. So Tons. much. Yeah, yeah it's, so much. It's, it is truly yeah. uh, mind-blowing I did want to mention though, I launched my own cryptocurrency token. Oh, great. Yeah. That's the one thing I should mention. Uh, it's called Afro Token. Okay. It is not available publicly. Yeah. It's for private sale only. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what I did was I was experimenting, you know, can you create your own cryptocurrency token? And certain developers have created a simple website application. Yeah. Yeah. You just pay a small fee and it creates a token for you. It's called Afro Token. It's wow. literally called Afro Token because, well, you know, yeah. Afro hair. Solid, man. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. All right, all right. Look, uh, look, I can't wait to have you back on this podcast for yeah. a part two. Yeah. Definitely. Um, unfortunately, we had to, you know, end it. Mm. But uh, before we end, where can people find you? Yeah. Okay. So I'm very accessible on Instagram and WhatsApp. Those are my two main channels. Okay. Uh, I have a website that's in development. So hopefully I'll be announcing okay. that soon. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at magicross7, M-A-G-I-C-R-O-S-S, and then number seven. Magic not, not, seven. not Maggie Not Ross. Maggie, not Maggie, right. not yeah. Maggie Cross. Magic, uh, huh? magic Ross, because I started off as a magician and it's still a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, the second way is through my WhatsApp, 012-682-3394. I think you want to slow down on that. Repeat that again. 012 Six eight two three three nine four. Sorry, okay. I thought it was like a part of a pizza commercial. You need to create a song out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah man. If I do, then I have a jingle. Yeah. Um, so those are the two best ways to contact me: WhatsApp and Instagram. And hopefully, my website coming up soon. Um, and then once that's there, then perhaps I can give you guys links to that as well. Looking that's forward, right, man. Looking uh, forward. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Absolutely you on the pleasure. podcast. My side uh, as well. You Thank will you. Be, you will be back. You Definitely. Will I, I insist, right? <laughs> and uh, guys, I uh, hope you've been enlightened. Yeah. Hope you are now uh, slightly less skeptical about uh, cryptocurrencies because my view has always been that like people are looking at it as purely as an investment. Mm. Yeah. But I and I have seen this on the viral Instagram uh, story as well is that whether you think it's, uh, it's an investment, a good or bad investment or not, right, it's totally irrelevant. Mm. Because what is, I don't know whether Bitcoin will win. I don't know whether Bitcoin will be worth more than it will be in 10 years. But yeah. I know for a fact that if you are still if you don't study this, yeah. if you don't study this field, you will be left behind. Yep. And if you have children, and if you do study it, they're going to thank you because you studied it. And exactly. you're going to give options to your children that is completely unimaginable. Mm. That's right. So mm. hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast and uh, see you guys in the next one. Goodbye. All right. Thank you.